everyone and welcome back to Grown Up. I'm Laura Blair. And I'm Abby Blairs. You're probably here because you're trying to navigate 21st century adulthood. Today we're going to be talking about mental health and parenting, a topic that neither of us know anything much about, so good luck to us with this one. And if you're wondering why Abby sounds like a man, she has a cold, which I'm very much trying not to get. I think it sounds uh, sexy. It does I don't think you can tell. I think it'll be all right. That episode of Friends when Phoebe has a cold and she's no, like, No, I think I'm good. Sex I think again. I'm good. <laughs> Before we get going, let's just take a few minutes to talk about what we know about pregnancy and parenting from our friends because we definitely don't have children ourselves. No. I, for one, have a friend who said she wasn't expecting to be on all four shitting in a midwife's hand. Oh, my God. I have a bit of a fear of shit myself in pregnancy. I've either. heard people do do this. Yeah. Like, what happens to the shit? Like, I think they just come and sweep it away. Like, I, I think it's quite a normal reaction. I'd definitely say to my husband, please stay this end. <sighs> I'd get the Febreze out or, like, the perfume. It's so grim, isn't it? But I think you do tend to, like, do do it before. But if you think about it, when you push in, like, how do you not shit? I don't know. <sighs> my mum used to say to me, well, casually just drop into conversation, that I came out face to pube... Face to pube. I have no idea where this is going. It means like your face is like, you know, like normally the crown of your head comes out. It's like your your face comes out. So you're like the wrong place. Your head can't, you know, like you have the baby's head's meant to like squish in. Like because the, like the bones aren't like fully formed. Like it's meant to like go and you come out. But I went face, face to pube. And then she was like, oh yeah, you split me from vagina right through to anus. Oh, ah, oh my God. Yeah, they don't talk about this kind of stuff, do no, they? No, my mum used to love to tell me that. I'd ask for a designer vagina whilst I'm there. If I'm going to get stitches, I'd be like, just make me look yeah. like a porn star. <sighs> and apparently it's really horrible. This, don't want to freak people out. It's really horrible when you like have to do your first poo afterwards. Oh, think about it. talking about this? Think about having a poo, though, when a baby's just popped out there. Oh, oh. I yeah. feel like maybe we shouldn't say this because it like put people off. Anyone pregnant? What, listen I'm to sorry this about this, guys. And it's all meant to be about how to get over like yeah. anxiety and we're just oh injecting the fear of God in them. Oh, bless them. Um, do you have any like major fears about pregnancy or like parenting itself? I actually really like the thought of being pregnant and I, the baby clothes. Yeah, the pregnancy clothes and like, I don't know, I just think, I, I when I think about being pregnant, I have this really warm, cuddly feeling about yeah, it. Yeah, but I know people who are like, it was awful. Yeah, people I don't have like a good a time, do they? See, I think it's because I'm quite petite that I would quite like tits for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like my first bra. <laughs> Go to Marks and Spencer's, get measured. <laughs> Your first bra. It's, so it's exciting. <laughs> I've got a bit of a fear. This is ridiculous. And this is genuine as well. Like, what if you have a baby and it's evil? Only you would think of that. I don't I reckon there's loads of people who have that fear. Like, you know, we need to, have you seen we need to talk about Kevin? No. So it's this film about and a book actually, about a little boy who this woman, she's a perfectly lovely mum. She's got a daughter who's normal and she has this son that's actually just a psychopath. Like she tries to love him. But he is a psychopath. Like, what if you're, like, the unlucky person who has a psychopath child? Like, actual kills people psychopath. I'm not going to babysit for you if this is the case. (laughs) (laughs) They do say that your fears become reality. No, they don't, really. You'll you'll be fine. The secret. People who are worrying. Um, Also, (laughs) what if your baby... I would be feeling like I wouldn't be capable of keeping it alive. 
You know, like when you just had a little baby, they're so little. That would be a fear as well. I guess it's like a dog, isn't it? When you get a dog or a cat, you kept them alive. Yeah, to be f- yeah, I know, but I remember feeling like when my cat was like on the bed, that one of us would roll over and squish him to death. And have you? No. There you go. Well done, me. <laughs> Catch cat alive. On a more serious note, we're not here to discuss gory birth stories, although it's very fun, um, or to put people off having children. But there's no escaping the fact that giving birth can be traumatic and parenting gets easy, and we just don't talk about it. Yeah. So here today we have on a lovely lady who's going to discuss all that with us, so we don't feel alone. <laughs> yeah. So her name is Anna Cisse, who's the founder and editor of Motherdom, a new mental well-being magazine for parents of little ones. Anna is a former BBC journalist and. A mum of two who has personal experience of maternal mental health issues and has set up Motherdom to help parents of children aged five and under live happier lives. Motherdom is the only magazine in the UK dedicated to maternal mental health and Anna has been featured in Forbes as a female entrepreneur who is using her own mental health issues to help others. Thank you so much for joining us today Anna. You're so welcome. So you have two children Could you tell us a bit about your first pregnancy and how it differed from your second pregnancy? Yes, so my first pregnancy went like a dream. Um, Can it be dreamy? (laughs) Honestly, I loved being pregnant. Um, So this was um, seven years ago now. Um, My daughter, she's just turned six. So yeah, my first pregnancy, I loved it. I was very lucky, didn't have much morning sickness. Um, Was super excited about being a mum. Birth went again like a dream for what you know what I wanted at the time I had a water birth I didn't have any pain relief I was really proud of myself and went around telling everyone oh my god (laughs) how proud of myself I was um you know breastfeeding I found really easy you know it was just everything everything went very everything yes and so when I was pregnant with my second child um this was so he's two now so that was a few years ago um I started feeling like mentally not not that well I started feeling quite low and I kind of ignored it for a while and I just thought oh it's because we've got loads of other stuff going on you know is this whilst you were pregnant yes so during my pregnancy um so you know a lot of people do this but we were renovating our house um my husband was working away I was working part-time I had a toddler my daughter you know and we were doing all this stuff at the same time and I thought well that's no that's why I'm feeling rubbish because we've got all this stuff going on and you know that's why so I'll be fine once I finish work, once I go on maternity leave, once my husband's back, once we're back in our house, everything will be great. But fast forward to all that happening, I wasn't feeling good. And that was about when I was six months pregnant. Um, so that was the beginning of 2017. Um, and so I then made the decision to reach out for help, but that was a really difficult decision to make because even to admit to myself that I needed help was a really hard thing to admit to myself. Yeah. I've always you know, prided myself on being a strong woman, on, you know, being independent. Um, you know, therapy was something that weird people did and Americans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never thought I would be someone who needed therapy. Indeed. Was it depression that you were dealing with? So I was, labels are really interesting. I, I prefer to use the term low mood because okay. I was never diagnosed with clinical depression, um, but I certainly had low mood and anxiety. And so kind of the way it manifested was... You know, so I'm six months pregnant. I've got a toddler. Um, I wake up in the morning and I've just got a sinking feeling in my stomach. Yeah. And it doesn't shift for the whole day. Yeah. It just stays there. And on top of that, you know, everything, every little thing is making me incredibly anxious. You know, I'm worrying about um, tiny little things and, and massive things. But, you know, there's no... I'm, I'm able to relax and 
I can't really see clearly. Yeah. Um, I feel like and people talk about anxiety a lot. I've wanted, I've never uh, like experienced anxiety. For those people listening, maybe explain a little bit what anxiety feels like. So anxiety, um, gosh, it's a very good question. You know, good question. I was like, <laughs> thumbs up to the question. No, it's a great question. It's like something's bubbling all the time. That's how I feel it. Anyway, that's how I experience it. That, um, yeah, that you can never fully relax. That there's always, you know, if you're about to cross the road, you know, your mind immediately flashes to, um, I've got to, you know, obviously I've, I've got to hold onto my daughter's hand, but then my, you know, your brain immediately goes to her running out into the road. Yeah, you like can, your you're worst actually visualize, Yeah, you actually yeah. visualise her getting hit by a car. You know what yeah. I mean? Your brain goes there. My brain um, does stuff like that. Yeah, so, and, but that happens, you know, sort of, all like not every minute of the day of course but you know that happens several like times way a day. more often than like way more often than average. it is yes way more often than you would say was normal mm. um so you worry about stuff a lot more you know i used to i convinced myself that i was going to give food poisoning to my whole family every time i cooked roast chicken <laughs> Something that now, i do yeah so, and i cooked I roast chicken cook. or either me or my husband cooks roast chicken every sunday so i do it every week but when i was at my worst in terms of anxiety i would google how long to cook a chicken for even yeah. though I always bought the same size chicken like I knew exactly yeah. 1.8 kilos I knew exactly how long to cook it for but my brain would tell me no 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 no. you don't know how long to cook it for you, you've got to check you've got to google it you've got to check because you're going to give everyone food poisoning and then everyone's going to die mm. or at least be in hospital in a very serious you know so that's what happens that anxiety kind of Okay, I can itself. see how it can take over yeah mm. it really does take and over. kind of spiral <laughs> yeah it really and and I think you know for me in my experience um, my second pregnancy was incredibly triggering in all of those ways. So, you know, there was a lot going on, but I think it, it brought up a lot of issues probably that I'd never really dealt with. They'd mm-hmm. probably been there to some extent my whole life, but it, for whatever reason, they, they got triggered at that do point. Do you think in, it could be like something to do with the hormones and stuff? I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I, I, I couldn't tell you why it was triggered, but um, all I can tell you is that, you know, I... It's probably all these extra things going on as well. Yeah. Like with your first baby, you probably weren't as stressed anyway. You didn't have a toddler. Yes. And all of that. And then it just adds up. Like small things add up to something major. Exactly. How long did it take you to reach the point where you got help? So like from, from the day one of like not feeling great to actually doing something about it. So I probably realized there was something wrong when I was about five months pregnant. Um, but I ignored it. I just kind of put it to the back of my mind. Um, it was when... so. I was telling you that, yeah, when we moved back into our house and everything, I'd finished work. I was about six months pregnant again. I was just kind of acknowledging it and thinking, yeah, yeah, something's not right. But no, I'm fine. I I don't need any help. Um, But it was only probably I was about seven and a half months pregnant when I finally kind of picked up the phone and I called a helpline, um, which I'd found online, Mm. um, called the Pandas Foundation. They're amazing. So they have a um, helpline. And which is staffed by women who've been through postnatal depression or some kind of maternal mental health issue. And so you pick up the phone and, you know, you literally talk to someone who's been through it. Mm. So I just said, you know, I'm feeling a bit crap. I don't, I have no idea what's happening to me. And she, this woman, I only spoke to her for five minutes, but she was amazing because she said, I've got two boys, you know, they're seven now. I had postnatal depression, but I got through it. You know, I recovered. You'll be fine. Go to your doctor. And I wasn't, I don't know what I was expecting her to say, but I wasn't expecting her to say that. Mm. So, How did you feel about going to your doctor? Really scared. Yeah. I mean, I was terrified as well. I mean, I talk about it in the first issue of the magazine, but the first step of 
picking up the phone. I mean, I hadn't told my husband either. I had told no one in the world at that point. When I picked up the phone and made that first phone call to Pandas, you know, I was, I remember sobbing because even just to say it out loud to admit to myself that I had a problem and that I needed help was incredibly emotional. And when I went to see my GP, it was still really difficult, not as difficult as the first time, but I was still, you know, still very emotional, still, you know, floods of tears. And I said to her, I was like, look, I'm really worried if I tell you what's actually happening in my head that you're gonna take my daughter away. And she just said, she said, you know what? No, you've done the right thing. You've come to get help. We're gonna get you help. So you're in the right place. And that was amazing because to have her support was what, you know, I needed to hear that. Cause I think, and I think now I know that that's quite a common fear when, you know, I speak to other mums who may have had similar experiences. They also say, yeah, I was, I was worried about, you know, especially if you already have a child, you worry about the impact on your child and you know a social service is going to get involved and there's all yeah. that kind of especially if you're making everything bigger than it is yes, already exactly of course your brain's going to go to that place where yes. you're like well, they, i don't want them to think i'm crazy yes exactly. not a word that's you should use inverted, no oh, just that's inverted, inverted commas <laughs> if you can't see you know like you don't yeah. want someone to be like oh she's crazy let's take a child off it like you watch exactly. films where like these things happen and exactly. it's like so dramatic exactly and the reality is is that very, it's very unlikely that exactly. that's ever going to happen exactly yeah I, so yeah. I can imagine it being really hard to know that you're experiencing these things, but how did you get from knowing you had a problem to actually call, like picking up the phone? Like, was there a moment where you just, what was the moment? Because I can imagine people never get to that point. Yeah, I feel like for me, I've had moments where, obviously not got a child, but I've had moments where I've thought, oh, maybe I should get help. And then the thought of my GP who I don't really like. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to go to her. She's horrible. Like, I, I mean, I broke it's down and went to my GP before for really, like, I, I had re- suffered really badly with my skin. It was really affecting my self esteem. Really shallow, probably, thing to say. <laughs> but it's how you feel, but right? It's... I was hysterically crying in my GP's office, and she didn't even, like, be like, Are you okay? Mm. She was, she just was like, Let's prescribe you some drugs. Yeah, I don't want to put people off going to the GP, but. When I told my GP that my mum had died and I was worried about getting the same type of cancer, she was just, like, so cold. Yeah, She didn't too. even say, oh, I'm really sorry that you lost your mum. That's probably because she feels awkward. And it's about more about her, you know, like, just feeling awkward and not knowing how to deal with the situation. But, yeah, I mean, getting to a good GP is probably... So, know, yeah, I think I, GP, was, right? I think I was really lucky, actually. Yeah. Um, and, again, luckily, I can't remember if I made a an appointment specifically with my GP or I just happened to see her. I can't remember what happened. But yeah, she she is my family doctor and she was amazing. Um, because yeah, I've heard many, many stories of women who've been turned away, patted on the head, yeah. told it's all right, love, you'll be fine. Don't worry, it's just a baby blues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was the moment that you decided to do that? Like, was there anything that happened that... So, it's no, it's a really in, another really interesting question. I... Um, I don't remember a specific moment. I just remember this growing sense of, you know, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. This growing sense of something isn't right, but I don't, I have, you know, I feel, I feel like I've been hit by a train because I have no idea what's going on because like I said, I was so smug about my first pregnancy (laughs) and I just thought, I know what I'm doing. Like, oh, I'm pregnant again. Great. You know, this is fine. I can do this. I've done it once before, but it was like, you know, it was completely different and I had no idea what to do. And I just became, I became more and more aware that, you know, I couldn't handle it on my own. And, but that was a very, like I said, it was a very difficult transition for me to admit that I needed some help Hmm. because I, at that time I felt like that was a sign of weakness to reach out for help. 
how did your partner react when you t- told him? I assume you were like, he knows, right? He, he does know. <laughs> this weird. is not the first Just got time. the magazine. <laughs> like, by the way. Are um, you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't tell you about this, but now I've got a magazine. <laughs> so um, I called him after I called the helpline. He was the next person I called because I had parked outside my daughter's preschool. I just dropped her off. So, you know, he was in America at the time. He was working there. So that was obviously tough because we weren't in the same room. So he was kind of going, uh... <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, okay, you know, wow. And he was struggling to, to kind of figure out how he could be supportive. And But, you know, he was amazing. And when he came back, you know, we had lots of conversations about it. And he helped me through it. You know, I, I when I when I did end up going to therapy, um, which I got through my doctor... You know, I would come back from each session and we'd talk through what we'd spoken about. And he was amazing. He, you know, he was really like a sounding board, which mm. helped me kind of process everything that we spoke about in therapy. So, yeah, he's, he's been amazing. So when you had, basically, how did you get over this? How did you get better? So I, so, yeah, when I saw my doctor, um, she immediately said, OK, have you heard of this um, therapeutic service that we have here? And uh, I said, no, I've never heard of it. But she referred me. So through the NHS. Um, and I got cognitive behavioral therapy, um, also known as CBT, which basically CBT is very practical. Um, it's very much, it's not, it's not the same as counseling in the sense that, you know, some people, or I would imagine lying on a couch, you know, recounting yeah. like trauma, trauma from <laughs> like, yeah, on a yeah, exactly. very nice, beautifully <laughs> designed chaise long. But no, you know, you're not going, you're not delving into things that have happened, you know, 10, 15 years ago, CBT is very much, okay, what's happening today or what's happened in the last week and how are you feeling about it and what can we do, you know, to maybe change your patterns of thinking and, you know, make you feel better about certain things. So, you know, we would talk about anything. We would talk about, um, it was quite good timing actually that when I started therapy, obviously I'd already been experiencing low mood and anxiety, but just after I started my therapy, I'd found out I had to have a C-section with my second. And again, this is Mrs. Smug. (laughs) I had a water birth with my first and I did not want to have a C-section. I had very preconceived ideas about how I wanted my birth to go and having a C-section for me was, again, a kind of failure, which I now, of course, understand it's not. But yeah. that I was think my... I'd want a C-section. Yeah, so people have very different views on it. I don't know it. why, but... No, I think, you know, having done it now, of course, it doesn't matter what, you know, as the point is the baby comes out and they're healthy and that's, you know, that's the main thing, right? But um, at the time I was, you know... I was really struggling to deal with that. And so we'd spend sessions talking about that. And, you know, she would say to me, okay, so just imagine a friend of yours came to you and said, okay, I've just found out I have to have a C-section. What would you say to her? I'd be like, fine, great, go for it. I mean, as long as the baby's healthy, right? She was like, there you go. So, you know, that's how you should be thinking yourself. Don't beat yourself up because you think it doesn't live up to certain expectations about how you want your birth to go. Like that's... Do you think though sometimes mums are a bit competitive? Oh, massively massively but actually I wasn't you know what I was I wasn't being competitive with other people I was being competitive with myself okay you know because I'd had this certain experience of giving birth and you know pregnancy and and the first few days that were so magical with my daughter that I just wanted to recreate that entire I literally wanted to be exactly the same the second time around which of course is ridiculous because every pregnancy is different every child is different every birth is different and there's no right way or wrong way to do any of it you know it's it's just what happens for you in your personal experience but yeah, I think I was just being competitive with myself. So did it really help just talking about it? Yeah, massively. And um, again, like I said, I never thought I would be sitting in therapy. And I I think there's still a real stigma about having therapy in this country. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people are still very scared of it. And 
um, for me, it was quite, it was literally like sitting in a room, like we're sitting right now, having a chat with someone. Again, I was very lucky because I really clicked with my therapist. I know some people I've spoken to for whatever reason don't get on with their therapist, you know, they don't have that connection, but we There's really- There's always another therapist as well though, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, it's we- It's worth bearing in mind. We, yeah, we, we really clicked and um, yeah, we would, we would laugh and joke. I would, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Like you, it's literally, you're having a conversation, but she's someone, she's, it's wonderful because you're only talking about you. And she, <laughs> they have to listen to you talking about you for the whole time. And they're also um, objective in the sense that, you know, if you're telling a friend something, you never know, you know, of course, even if they have the best intentions, you never know if they're being completely honest with you because they might be worried about hurting you or yeah. they want to protect you yeah. or, but they are some, you know, the therapist is someone who's got nothing to lose. So she'll just, you know, she would, she'll support you, but she'll also challenge you. She'll also kind of put things back in front of you and say, okay, well, you said this, what about this? Yeah. And so it's also an opportunity to reflect and to listen to yourself and, and just, yeah, an hour every week where I can talk about myself. Do you still... <laughs> have therapy now no so I had therapy so I started yeah when I was about eight months pregnant and we we had a little break after my son was born but then yeah we sort of stopped when he was about six months old so were um, you okay by the time it came to give him birth no so I mean I had gosh I probably had two or three sessions before I gave birth and then we had a because I had a c-section so I was basically housebound Mm -hmm. for six weeks um, and then I think, yeah, when after uh, when my son was six weeks old, I went back um, and continued and then had another four or five months. No, sorry, six months. He was six months old when we stopped. Had another six months of therapy after that, um, which I really needed. And I remember thinking when it, towards the end, I was scared about it coming to an end because even though initially when you start a therapy, it can be quite scary, you kind of, you know, I started to look forward to it. I started to really like you know, be excited about seeing my therapist and excited about what we were going to talk about. And I would have fun with her. And towards the end, I remember thinking, God, how am I going to cope without my therapist? But she was great because she she put together like a relapse prevention plan. And there were certain things that we talked about, you know, techniques I could use to be a bit more mindful about how my how my mind sometimes works. So, you know, it's not that I'm cured now. You know, I think anyone who's had a mental health issue will tell you it, it never necessarily goes away. It's just you learn how to deal with it. So I know now if, if I have, you know, an anxious thought pop into my head, I think, okay, I can see there's an anxious thought. I see you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ignore you, but I, I, you know, I can, I'm just more mindful of you and I'm not going to let you take over right now. Yeah. You know, or if I have the thought of you're going to give everyone food poisoning, <laughs> you know, I just go, no, I know, you know, you're just, that's my anxiety. I'm not going to listen to you right now. Um, you know, so it just gives you a bit more control. It's, it makes you more mindful of how you're thoughts work so in your magazine do you cover postnatal depression at all yes so the magazine basically is all about maternal mental health issues and maternal well-being what type of um not stories but what type of things have mothers struggled with so mums struggle with a huge variety of things so when you're talking about maternal mental health there's a whole spectrum from you know my experience which you would call mild to moderate so low mood and anxiety right up to, you know, the other end of the spectrum is postpartum psychosis, which is incredibly serious, potentially life-threatening. So, you know, there's a whole range of possible experiences. Um, in issue one, we feature a story of a lady who went through maternal OCD um, and she tells her story. We have several stories from women who had postnatal depression. Um, and so there's a there's a real range of, of experiences. Um, but, you know, the magazine is also very much about 
celebrating all the amazing work that's going on in the maternal health, mental health mm. and well-being and it's world. it's not about putting people off having children, right? It's, it's not like, because <laughs> you don't want to like read it and be like, oh no, no. I feel worse. <laughs> I guess it makes you feel like you're not alone, right? That's it. So actually you've hit it on the head. The theme of issue one is you're not alone because that for yeah. me is how I felt. When yeah. I, I know I wasn't, but in the depths of my, you know, my depression and my, my feeling at, at my lowest, I felt completely alone. I felt like I was the only person in the whole world that had ever been through this, which is ridiculous because I wasn't. But I think when, you know, for anyone who's experienced that, they'll understand that, that, you know, um, it's a very isolating place. And so that's why I created the magazine because I thought, you know, I want to help other mums. You know, why isn't there a media platform dedicated to parents' mental health? So that's where the idea came from. So if there's any mothers or parents listening to this that are struggling themselves either before they give birth or after they give birth, or if they've got grown children, <laughs> what tips would you give them to maybe get through it or like make them feel better? I think what I always say to people is, you know, ask for help. What because if, it, and that sounds really What simple. if you really do feel like you have no one? So, I mean, you can always go to your GP. Your GP is someone that you can always reach out to. There's also amazing resources online. Mm. Um, there's stuff like Pandas, which I was mentioning, but there's also, there's a new thing that's just launched called the Hub of Hope, which um, I think it's an app actually, um, which basically is a directory of um, local services near you, mental health services. Um, you know, or if you don't feel able to go to your GP, you know, also try and sit down with a friend and try and start sharing. You know, the, the minute you open your mouth and you acknowledge that there's an issue and you need to do something about it, that's a hu- I know from my personal experience, that in itself is a huge step. Um, and then, you know, the more help you can seek out, the better. What about dads? The same. So dads also, you know, um, ha- you know can suffer from various issues. So um, in um, this first issue of Motherdom, I have a story from a dad, um, you know, who, who went through... A, a, a version of PTSD after his daughter had an allergic reaction. Um, so, you know, yeah. dads can go through it as well, absolutely. And so, and I'm very passionate about, I mean, the magazine is called Motherdom. It's clearly aimed primarily at mums, but I always have um, an article from dads as well yeah. because I don't want to exclude them from the conversation. Um, they're obviously part of the equation. So, yeah, absolutely, it can happen to dads. Aside from talking to people, is there anything that you did that really helped, like, lighten your mood or, like, made you happy? Um, oh, um, I think, yeah, talking to people was the big thing for me. Um, I think letting go of a lot of stuff as well. I think often we all put ourselves under a huge amount of pressure to have the perfect life or the perfect house or the perfect family, the perfect relationship. And I think, you know, one thing that my therapist said to me again, very early on was, you know, at the moment it's okay to be good enough. It's okay to be good enough. You don't have to be perfect you know, you've just had a baby, (laughs) you just had a C-section, you've got, you know, a three-year-old, that's fine, just, just, you know, take the pressure off yourself a little bit, so I think that really helped me as well, and that's actually, you're good enough is the theme for issue two of the magazine, yeah. Having gone through it, do you feel like you've become stronger because of it? Yes, massively, I think. um, And what things have you, like, learned from the experience? um, I've learned to open up, Um, I've learned to actually to be more mindful of how I'm feeling and to be a bit more conscious of, you know, if I start behaving in a certain way, I'm a bit more aware of why I'm doing it. I'm I'm a bit more aware of what's underneath it. Um, It's also really inspired me in terms of, you know, I've seen the power of other women as well. Um, You know, just on my journey with the magazine, the number of incredible women that I've met um, who are all doing amazing things 
in this world, whether it's mental health or, or well-being, um, they're just incredible. So I'm so happy to have met them. So when you started Motherdom, you did a bit of research to find out like how many people were struggling, right? Yes, I did. I did. So we commissioned um, a survey with um, about 2,000 mums. So we spoke to mums um, all over the UK. And yeah, we found that um, over half of them um, have struggled with anxiety since having a child. Mm -hmm. um, so it's 54%. Um, 45% have told us they were feeling low. Um, and over a third, that's 35% have felt depressed since having a child. And we, so we spoke to mums um, with kids under five. That's a large statistic. So if you're out there and you're feeling low, that's you're actually quite normal. Yeah. Yeah, that's because there's been lots of research done into, um, you know, the period. So what they call the perinatal period, which is sort of the period from conception to when your baby is 12 months old. That's the perinatal period. So there's been lots of research done into how women are feeling, how mums are feeling in that time. But um, I wanted to, I think because I'm, because I'm aiming the magazine as well at mums with kids under five, I wanted to have a broader picture and I wanted to find out how mums with kids, you know, anything from two weeks old to five years old, how are they feeling? Mm. Um, because I think, you know, that's, for me, mums need much more support. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think they're getting it. So that's why I, w I wanted to find out. And yeah, the numbers are really shocking. Um, but I think that's, you know, that's why I'm doing the magazine, because I want to reach those mums. I want to re reach as many people as possible. Yeah. You also said that one in five think that they would feel weak if they asked for help. Mm -hmm. That's still quite a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah. That just are too afraid to ask for help and bothered about what other people think, I guess. Yeah, I was one of them. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, I think it's, re yeah, I think it's really common. I think as well, if you grow up, you know, I grew up with um, the narrative of, you know, you're a strong woman, yeah. you're independent, you can have a career, you can have a family, you can have a lovely house, you can have a lot of money, you can, you know, you can, yeah. you can achieve whatever you want to achieve in life, you know. Um, I was sort of, which is wonderful, I was taught to you know, behave like superwoman, which is great. But then, you know, that as well engendered in me, like, a sense that I, did, I never needed help. Mm. But of course I did. I guess it doesn't help in this era of social media either where everyone posts their happy baby pictures online and yeah. then you're, you're stuck there with a screaming child and yeah. you're like, uh, why am I failing? But I guess yeah. you, you just don't see that side of it, do you? That's it. No, my friend actually, I'll send you the link. She, said, she wrote a really interesting article on this exact topic yesterday which she posted um, about how, you know, Instagram especially, um, she calls it Insta-sham parenting oh, yeah, co content. Yeah, yeah um, because yeah, a, a lot of people do post like, beautiful pictures of their kids in really stylish clothes yeah. you know with a beautiful background of course that's not real life no. you know that's that is completely i wanted to buy my, my sister's pregnant and um i wanted to, i was in river island the other day and there was this little denim jacket with this faux fur collar i was like this is lovely and my mum was like, that is the most unpractical thing that baby would ever wear. I just had no <laughs> real... Instagram's given me this unrealistic expectation of what... <laughs> I, to me, motherhood would be, I feel like I would strap my baby to me, put like a pair of Gucci shoes on the baby <laughs> and have like a Prada nappy bag. <laughs> is this not how it will work? <laughs> They'll probably piss all over the bag. Will it shit on me? Probably. You should see if you can get Prada nappies as well. That that could be fun. Oh see, that idea would be a waste of money. <laughs> I feel like any shoe for a baby is kind of a waste yeah, of money. Yeah, but it's on you. It's strapped to you. So it's the first thing people would see. So it's an accessory, right? For, for okay. Baby is an accessory. <laughs> this, is where I, this is why we have you on. I obviously have no idea about motherhood. <laughs> so far away from get, children. How do you get like kind of like, how do you manage to juggle like work 
and being a mum as well because that's one of the fears I have like if I have a child because I've been thinking like I'm 32 I need to crack on eventually how like how the hell or in your case be pregnant and have another toddler and work like how how do people do that so yeah it's it's of course of course it's possible (laughs) I think it's it honestly it's it's tough I mean look I can only talk about my experience but yeah it's juggling work and motherhood and everything all your other identities in life as well yeah it you know it takes some practice and I think a lot of people you know myself included there's a transition period especially after you have your first so you know before you know before I was pregnant I was working in a big organization and you know doing long hours and that's great and lovely and then you know you have the baby and you think ah okay that's actually not going to work with childcare because actually I was working shift patterns at the time so no childminder would take her at six o'clock in the morning yeah (laughs) you know and I can't go and pick her up at 8 p.m because she needs to go to bed (laughs) at 6 30 or 7 so you know you start your 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 life just suddenly becomes much more regimented Mm. because they need that routine they need that stability so you have you do have to you know work it out either yourself or with yourself and your partner if you have a partner but I think you know yeah it there is a transition but then I now feel I feel that I have come out the other side it sounds really corny but I feel like I have come out of the other side and we've now got a nice routine and I've you know I've redefined my work life balance and my work role and um of course it's you know people keep asking me do you think you know yeah you're writing a magazine about mental health you must have a really good work-life balance you must be completely on top of all your self-care and all your like you know mantras and meditation I'm like you're literally joking (laughs) (laughs) um you know because because I've just launched a magazine I definitely right now do not have a good work-life balance you know it's the 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 balance is definitely tipped in favor of work but of course day to day I have to fit that around the kids you know I have three days of childcare a week and then I'm with my son the other two days while my daughter's at school we go to play group you know um I have I make him lunch every day you know there's you know there's stuff that you have yeah you have to change your lifestyle basically I've got a friend who said that she felt like one of the most shocking things was feeling all of a sudden that she just lost her her own identity that she was suddenly a mum yeah she she felt like she had all like her career she was a musician doing all these great things had a baby and then she was like I just can't do anything else but she said that now like two years on she's got a two-year-old she feels like she's now able to go back to being a bit more creative and doing her own thing but she said it just I think it also depends on your partner as well like if yeah. you've got a really supportive partner who isn't completely like men work and women stay at home yeah, it's, yeah I'm, well. I'm really lucky because my my husband he's an actor so he's well he's either at home a lot or, he, or he's away a lot yeah <laughs> so we kind of feast or famine um so I also you know might spend six months of the year solo parenting really? as well yeah wow. you know but we're used to that now. I mean I know it sounds so of course you know so I might wake up at six every day and I'm you know finish all the childcare stuff and cleaning the house blah 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 by maybe eight thirty nine. and literally you know and that's my day and then only after that point in the day do you have time to yourself Mm. you know which probably sounds horrific (laughs) (laughs) to anyone that doesn't have kids but you know you just you know you make it work because of course you love your kids and you know you want the best for them it's made me not want kids this (laughs) (laughs) that's not the intention I still want them I'll just be reading the magazine like a bible I'll I'll look after yours occasionally that'll do me (laughs) do some babysitting I just take it everywhere for me. I was thinking about having kids. Like, oh, I just take the kids to all my meetings. Can you imagine how distracting it would be? Yeah, yeah. Just gonna breastfeed for a second. With like people just like watching you. Like, I don't think well, they did have. It. There was like a politician that breastfed, 
in was it New Zealand? I don't know. You have to look it I, up. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So politicians are starting to bring their babies to Parliament, which is pretty cool. I think you should be allowed to take your baby to work. Yeah, I think so. I can. <laughs> It should be like a little crush. You're lucky. <laughs> You're lucky, yeah, definitely. Lucky, I don't know. We were talking about this the other day. I was like, I don't, would never get maternity leave. I'd have to film the birth. <laughs> Imagine how many hits you get, though, right? Oh, I'd be like, just <laughs> keep it this end. You'd get a lot of work, though, wouldn't you, like, for, like, uh, baby stuff, like... I- I think if you're going through labour, my mind would just be like, oh my God, where is that camera? (laughs) (laughs) Stay north, stay north. (laughs) Can you imagine watching it back and being like, what the fuck just happened? That happened to me? (laughs) Someone once said to me that when he watched his wife give birth, it was like watching his favourite pub burn down. That's not nice, wow. is it? Wow. I mean, I'd be. I would say to my husband. Hopefully, it would be a husband, not some guy I met in the pub. The random bloke. Yeah, I. I would be like, stay this end, please don't venture south. Yeah, because I'd feel like he just wouldn't look at me in the I, same. I remember end. the bit. The the midwife said to my husband, they were like, just you know, stay up the business end. You don't want to go <laughs> yeah. down there. Thank Sometimes you. the husbands are worse, aren't they? Like on these programs, you see, like one. What is it? One born, one born every, every minute. minute. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the husbands are like worse. Worse in what way? Like more like anxious and more like like freaking out oh and need like fainting and stuff. If I was going through labour and my husband started panicking, I'd be like, get a grip. Yeah, I'd be like, you must watch this. You did this to me. You owe me. <laughs> Man up. <laughs> no me, I will get someone like that. Yeah, knowing you. No me. <laughs> <laughs> So how do people get a copy of Motherdom? So they can order a copy through my website, um, which is motherdom.co.uk, or it's in some WH Smith stores. Um, so there's a list on my website. Um, there's an app as well, so there's a digital version. But again, just go to my website. All the details are there. Yeah, cool. Cool. Thanks for listening to Grown Up Guys. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please subscribe and leave us a review too. You can also follow us on social media at grownup underscore official. And if you'd like to join us on our quest to navigate 21st century adulthood or have a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at thegrownuppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week. Bye. Bye.